Hello everyone and welcome to Inspiring African Travel. I'm Julia and together with my husband James and our great friend Stuart, this podcast will bring you inspiring interviews from people in travel. We want you to meet the locals with uplifting stories. Stories of female empowerment, conservation heroes, guide adventures, and other amazing people who live and work in tourism in Africa. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the journey with inspiring African travel. Thanks for listening, and welcome to our very first series, Women in Travel. In this series, we'll bring you seven episodes sharing the stories from inspiring women, women who have broken down gender barriers in tourism in Africa. We hope you'll be inspired by our very first podcast series. Enjoy. We do really want to thank you for joining us on this journey so far at Inspiring African Travel. And we really hope you enjoy the last episodes uh, of our first series, Women in Travel. We caught up with a Zimbabwean travel writer and photographer called Mana Meadows. We actually interviewed her while she was in Zambia midway through this epic adventure called Walk Luangwa. It's a team of adventurers walking hundreds of kilometers through some of Africa's wildest national parks, raising money um, and awareness for NGOs involved in conservation, tourism and, and local community development who have all been so badly affected by this COVID crisis. Mana is an all-out inspiring woman and she's got Africa in her blood. So much so her father actually named her after their favorite place in Africa, Mana Pools in Zimbabwe. She's an extremely talented writer and as we draw this first series to a close she shares her stories of really inspiring women that she's come across in her career and we talk about our take on the road ahead for female equality in travel so hope you guys enjoy it. Mana Meadows, this is our very final episode of our first series, which is Women in Travel. I'll admit the frequency between episodes has uh, lengthened somewhat. Apparently, we've reached the, um, the hump, which is the fourth episode where a lot of people stop uh, recording podcast episodes. So we're, we're past that. We're at episode seven. So it must be going well. I want to thank you so much, Mana, because... You are not sitting at home um, finishing your usual day job. You are somewhere outside of Zimbabwe on an epic adventure. So, Mana, why don't you tell us where you are and what it is that you are up to? Thanks, James, and thanks for having me. Um, right now, I am in Lusaka in Zambia. So that's that in itself probably not the most exciting, but we we in between jobs at assignments at the moment so we we've just um come down from north of Angwa national park and tomorrow we're on our way to lua plains national park in the west of zambia and we've been here in zambia from zim we've been here about six weeks 
um, and the reason we came was to do uh, a bit of a, a a bit of a long walk from north of North Luango National Park, uh, 350 kilometers down North Luango National Park through some GMAs through Luambi National Park, and then down to the southernmost camp in um, South Luango National Park. Kind of going with the flow, um, living out of suitcases at the moment, and yeah, just trying to get through these crazy COVID times. Um, travel's obviously a bit restrictive and there's a lot more issues around just being able to pop back home. Yeah, that's why I'm sitting on a bed in Lusaka with all my, all our stuff is like sprawled all over the room and uh, yeah, we head off tomorrow for a month in Lua. Yeah, that scene is pretty much like all creatives in your um, uh, field of work, isn't it? Huh? A, a room sprawled out with clothes and equipment and cameras and pens and papers everywhere i hope so because i um i look around all the time at this the sprawl and the chaos and the muddled mind and i think i've got to get it together a bit more and yeah some sometimes the chaos comes together <laughs> that's okay but mana it's um your it's it's a really cool project so it's called i mean you're calling it walk luangwa what you're doing is walking through um, and along one of Zambia and one of Africa's most wild places. And I can imagine so many people who listen to this must be going, I wish I was doing that. Um, but what a logistical challenge to try and pull together that logistics in, in lockdown with borders and quarantining and everything. And But what are you doing it for? Why are you doing, why are you and your hubby and your team on this mission? Yeah, so, well... So the actual walk um, has now finished, which which we were really sad about. It was a 17-day walk, um, and we finished it about 10 days ago. But the the document the documentary side obviously is still ongoing. We've we've done the walk. We've collected the stories. My husband Matt was was collecting stories for his podcast series called Conservation Storytelling, and he's doing a specific series on. On Walk Luangwa. We joined the walk, we were lucky enough to be invited onto the walk, documenting the actual day-to-day of the walk. So yeah, we, we did it from the awareness point of view. We joined uh, a guy called Nick Ridden, who he recently moved to the Luangwa Valley. He's an operator in one of the camps. Um, so his original idea was to walk from their northernmost camp to their southernmost camp because they've got one in North Luangwa and a, a few in South Luangwa. And then the idea kind of gained legs and just got bigger and bigger. Um, and he decided to to do some fundraising because the Luangwa Valley relies a lot on tourism. Mm. All of the income, obviously, as many places in Africa are experiencing, has been lost this year, will be lost for a lot of next year um, so the idea was to raise money there's probably six uh, conservation and community organizations that will the target is 200,000 pounds which is quite ambitious um, we've still got a long way to go but the idea with our storytelling component is is to kind of give it a long a long-standing kind of a long life so it wasn't just a one-off walk um, there will still be more 
kind of content coming out of it, more stories coming out of it. It was an it was an amazing privilege to be able to walk through these three national parks. You know, it's a bit crazy to be walking through these places where, like in in North Luangwa, at one stage there wasn't one uh, safari vehicle with with any other tourists there. I mean, we were we were on our feet, we were walking. That's great, amazing project, man. I really cool. I um, I'm a big fan of uh, Matt's conservation storytelling podcasts. The, uh, no doubt, no pressure, but I'm sh- this series of recordings that he's done along the way. I can't wait to listen to it. But we wanted to chat to you, take this opportunity whilst you're on the road, um, whilst your creative juices are flowing. We wanted to talk to you a bit about your experience in the field of travel, travel writing, photography, but also you've done a lot of work around tourism. And this series, we talk about women in tourism or women in travel. And we wanted you to talk about your experience from the, you, I know you've met a, m- a number of incredible women out there during your time as a travel writer and photographer and so forth. And it seems like there's a really tremendous shift towards more awareness for female empowerment, women in senior positions, um, women's rights, all this kind of thing. You know, what's your take on the state of women in Africa, in your field? Where are we now? Where were we? How are things going? I hadn't actually been aware of of how of how bad it was looking back. I think I I was a bit I've never actually had to had to face those questions or or see how it is. I personally in recent times and this is actually quite funny. Since I've started working with Matt, my husband, I've become a lot more aware of perceptions of women in the industry and whether it's writing, photography, in our case, a lot, a lot of the time it's conservation storytelling, which I do a lot of writing and a lot of photography for conservation organizations, and Matt will do a lot of filming. And often coming into a job, it's assumed that I am not quite an assistant, it's a bit of a strong word, but maybe I'm a bit of a tag-along or I got into it because he was into it. And it's actually almost kind of the opposite way around. Matt being a videographer, filmmaker, kind of for the last three, four years. You know, I've I've been doing it for 12 years and I've never really thought about it. I've never really thought that it was a, a thing. And then I, I slowly started to see the assumptions when people would say, you know, so how long have you been doing this or did you study it? Stuff like that, which is interesting because... It's it's basically all these assumptions that we bring of people assuming that I'm a kind of hanger on because we're with Matt. Whereas before, without him being there, um, I was kind of seen in my own rights as a whatever, as a professional. I can totally, I know exactly the point you're trying to make. Um, it's this automatic perception from men that, oh, okay, so it's a man and a woman working together. So the man is in charge and the woman is like assisting or learning from him. Well, exactly. And it's quite, I mean, I was quite shocked. I I might even say a bit amused, but it definitely got me thinking and it definitely got me uh, looking around and realizing that I'm terrified of driving, like four by four driving, like off-road driving. Like I love going to the bush. I've often gone camping on my own. I live for, for, for camping, really. 
But the one thing that holds me back is worrying, will I get stuck in the sand? Will I get stuck in the mud? Um, will I be able to change a tire on a big vehicle? And these are, the, these are things I'm only starting to face now and realize that I should have taken charge of this long time ago. I should have you know, learned how to drive off-road properly. I should have faced that fear a while ago. But there's always been an assumption at the back of my mind that I, I couldn't do it and I'm not built for that and that I need to be with a team of people or a man. And I see that and that's my own assumption based on, I don't know what, like not seeing enough, maybe not seeing enough or not noticing enough women doing that. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot throughout all industries. If you don't see a female guide driving a vehicle, driving around confident, you don't, you don't, you don't think that that's normal. It takes someone who's thinking out the box to, to think, no, I can do that. I'm just as capable. And, and I think when those women start seeing that, start start taking charge and start saying actually I can do this I can be a I can be a guide I can work in anti-poaching you know I can do this and when they start doing that and they become role models for other women yeah basically actually let me just tell you one thing on four-wheel drive uh, on automatic uh, four-wheel drive is the way to go um, the minute you get rid of the gears you will be bossing it uh, my four by four skills uh, are pretty average but uh with my prado automatic gearbox you fly through the sand um, and you leave those guys in their land cruisers like flicking between gears looking like real idiots <laughs> i think i'm a good driver but i'm not you met all the female guides at choby game lodge mana and it's the same story there we we saw it in the whole country like when the first female guides started working at choby game lodge there were less than 10 in the whole of botswana um, must have been a handful out in Zim, Zim and Zambia as well. And today there's like around 100 because suddenly people, people in Botswana started seeing other female guides and slowly it trickled down. But it's, it's always the same issue you have out on safari is the minute there's a puncture, all the men um, jump out and wonder and you can see them you know, they want to help, but they don't know how to change a tire. <laughs> and so the men are like scratching around, I want to help. And then the women get on, get on with it. But um... I think it's, um, it's just kind of learning how to deal with it, how to keep going. And I guess to do it with a bit of grace and a bit of grit. Um, and to, I guess, just to get on with it. Yeah, brilliant. And you've done a lot of work out in the rural communities, Mana. What's it like, for example, in your home country of Zimbabwe, um, in the rural communities? Uh, is there a particular project that you want to get your teeth into? Uh, is there someone that's really sparked your interest and inspired you or a role model that you'd love to get stuck into in terms of women in your part of the world? One of my favorite female role models, um, and she's actually from... Harare in Zimbabwe from just outside Harare in a little, a little town is a woman by the name of Tito Guevara who grew up in rural eastern Zimbabwe. She was an orphan. She left school I think at the age of nine um, because her family couldn't afford it or didn't want to, to pay for her. She was because she was kind of being looked, looked after by 
extended family and also she needed to take care of her grandmother and her her little brother so she left school at nine and um she used to go and gather mushrooms to survive and and whatever wild fruits and roots um she could find and her grandmother was blind but she used to smell all the the mushrooms and she would know which ones were edible and how to cook which ones and which ones needed to be stored or dried or cooked or whatever um and then when Chido was I think she was about 11 she was invited very very much by chance to a week-long course in at a, at a, at a university near Matari um learning how to propagate I think propagates the word I might be wrong there oyster mushrooms um, off corn stalks. What, when she, what she learned there was enough to, to teach her how to grow her own mushrooms and how to then sell the mushrooms and then she could take care of her grandmother, she could take care of her little brother um, and she became so successful with her mushrooms that she started paying for other kids to go to school. That's amazing. But she wasn't going to school. Anyway, today she's she's in her early 30s and she's She's in, she's an inspirational kind of inspirational talker. Wow. She's a farmer. She she's she's talked on. She's she's done a lot of pioneering work in growing mushrooms off coffee grounds. So she's talked on. She's done inspiring talks all over the world. Um, but I think every continent except Antarctica. I interviewed her a couple of years ago, and that's where I got to know her story. Her big her big drive is is empowering vulnerable women in the community um, and vulnerable children and teaching them how to grow oyster mushrooms. And she teaches them how to grow oyster mushrooms in really like high density areas. You know, they'll have a little shed with, and they'll be growing packets and packets and packets of oyster mushrooms, selling them. Um, so they, and they're very nutritious. I didn't actually know that. I always thought oyster mushrooms were really bland and and had nothing going for them but they they really are nutritious and very good for you um they're very good with boosting immunity um so she's done this all over zimbabwe she's got all these little centers where i think it's hundreds of women and children are are growing these mushrooms and then she's got these little centers all over the country that go and she's got the market linkage all sorted so they go and collect the mushrooms um anyway she's one of the most in terms of empowerment and teaching teaching women how what they can do and and that they can do a lot even with a little mm. um that it's about mm. attitude um she's she's an inspiration to me to a lot of uh to a lot of zimbabweans and a lot, i think all over the world she's taught in india she's taught um i don't know i can't remember which countries in south america but yeah all on all on mushrooms Chido Guevara, we'll have to check her out. That's amazing. What a what a phenomenal story. And she, so she's the founder of it's a foundation called the Future of Hope. She wrote a book when she was twenty one, uh, and she you know what? She only learned to speak English in her late teens, and she's just she's incredible. And one of the things we've learned over the last few few weeks doing this thing is that um, the knock on effect of a successful woman it's it's far greater than than what it is for a man because. What happens if there's a successful woman? You know, they invest in their children and the the people around them, whereas men are a little less responsible when it comes to sharing the wealth. 
you've done a bit of features on this, I know, for, for us as our, our company and, and some other articles. But one of the things when we were doing this series is we didn't want to, we feel there's such a lot of focus on women um, in travel and, and women empowerment at the moment that we didn't feel like we wanted to jump on a bandwagon per se, which sounds a bit ridiculous when, when you're trying to do something which is a good cause, which is create awareness. But what's your take? What's your feeling on that? Do you have any, do you feel awkward when you're trying to talk about um, fellow women's success or, and, and do you think there is a, um, a tendency for people just to talk about it because it's fashionable or do you genuinely think that by creating awareness and doing things that we do um, that we are actually genuinely helping um, create more equality? I, I, genu- I really think that it's important. Um, I must say I used to, <laughs> I never really understood feminism until really only a few years ago. And, and it was as I, as I think I got older and I got more, maybe I was always lucky with, with the jobs I had. I, was, I studied journalism, I, I went quite quickly out of university into a really challenging, stimulating job. Um, I was editing a travel magazine and then I started freelancing and then for the next few years um, I did a mixture of freelancing and editing magazines, um, working with really great people, really dynamic, um, powerful people, powerful women and and so it was never really, never really entered my orbit that, that that women struggled in the industry or, or in, 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 like in general. I just didn't, mm. I was really lucky that I never had to, to face it. I guess, I think what was interesting is more and more of my friends started having families and I started thinking about, well, what's going to happen with me one day when I need to start a family? How will that affect my career? How will I keep going with this? especially the kind of work I do, you know, I, I go off for weeks at a time, very long days. Um, so that's when I really started thinking, actually, this isn't really, it's not really fair. Um, and the scales are really kind of tipped here. And, and that's when for me, and it was totally selfish because it was all about me. That's when I started realizing and, and looking at, at how the world treats women, women who having who starting families and I think it's definitely a big problem. I think I'm only really starting my journey on on talking about women's stories and I'm fascinated with, with women's stories and I've I haven't actually done much work in terms of interviews and storytelling and, and focusing on that side of things because I just I guess I haven't had the time, I haven't made the time. Um, so really I'm at the beginning of what I think is, is an interest that a desire to to help share women's stories, to help give women voices and and make make their voices stronger, make their voices more just a part of the fabric of everyday converse, like everyday mm. life. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be and 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 you were talking earlier about awkwardness. Like I I still feel awkward about saying, uh, I focus on women's issues or or I'm interested in in female empowerment. Um, 
because you, obviously feminism has such a bad rap and once you say you're a feminist you, you, you t- people switch off and I find that really sad and I find myself having to explain to people that there's various different forms of feminism but it's definitely something I'm starting to learn more about I'm a bit shocked at how little I knew about feminism basically we should all be feminists it's just about equality it's just about recognizing women it's just about saying yes they should have equal rights yes they should have access to the same opportunities and and there's nothing what's what's bad about that there's nothing bad about that we shouldn't always have to say women's empowerment women's awareness and we do now but but hopefully in five ten years it's going to be less of an issue it's going to be you know, you're not going to look twice when you see a female ranger, a female scout, a female guide. As you quite rightly point out, it's, uh, it's a tough environment for life, just generally, and for women when it comes to um, bearing a child and, and starting a family and never, never mind the, the perceptions. But I, I think you'll agree, we, 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 things are getting better in the world in general and in our respective industries of writing and journalism and, and, and tourism. We can just see it in the last 15 years how more and more women have, are in senior positions now, which is great. Um, sometimes in our company, it's 50-50. And it's, it's really about role models. And, and I think the more role models you have, the more young girls are out there thinking, hey, that could be me. Yes, I could do that. You know, if I had seen, I think when I was growing up, I saw one female guide. My dad was a safari guide. We spent a lot of time in the bush, spent a lot of time in wild places. And I, I remember that that woman guide even today. I remember the game drive we went on together. And and that's that's quite incredible out of all of those trips and safaris and um and experiences I had that I remember her so clearly. And it's and then and that's because she was the only one I ever came across mm. to think, Oh, actually I can do it. Not, not that I wanted to be a guide, but yeah, I think just in terms of those little, uh, oh, I guess, all aspects relating to male versus female roles and what we traditionally expect of, of ourselves and others and, mm. and society. Yep. Now, tell me, Mane, are there, are there other women with you on the, on the walk in Luangwa, the walk Luangwa? We had a wonderful... A woman guest. Her name is Tandiwe Mwitwa, and she's she was she joined us from the Zambian Carnival program, and she's a huge ambassador in the community. She she's a product of Chipembele Wildlife Trust, which is a an amazing organization that does a lot with educating children in the Luangwa Valley about conservation. So Tandi was a product of Chipembele and has now come full circle back to being an educator with them. I mean, in her, I think, as a part-time thing. Um, so she comes back every Friday and goes out into the different schools and the villages and teaches children about conservation. Um, oh, cool. So that was super. So Tandi joined us together with her colleague, Henry Mwape, who was also from the Zambian Carnival Program. Um, and we walked, and they, they had a pretty tough day. It was a 24, 24.6 Ks, but it was a hot day. Um, and they were, at the ride at the end, there were a lot of kind of grumpy elephants around. 
um, which always kind of shatters the nerves a bit, uh, especially when you're hot and tired and thirsty and ready to stop walking. Well done him, well done you and all of you guys. It's uh, such a such a cool adventure. I want to thank you, Mana. Thanks for tuning in um, mid, mid-adventure out there in Zambia. But I think it's great because we actually got your raw emotions. It was uh, tactical from us. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, James. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. Good luck uh, wading through all of this. Stu and I, um, you know, and you know, you've met Julia as well. We we all agreed. We went. We were very keen to have you on because you're you're a true professional. Your work is amazing, and your your writing is amazing, and we, your photographs are amazing. And uh, can't wait to get your f- feelings and your everything that you've captured along the way in your stories from this walk Luangwa and your time out there. So we can't wait and we'll definitely have links and stuff in the, in the show notes so that people who want to follow um, this whole story can check it out and support. Yeah. But thank you for, for the support and for the interest. Um, and you, yeah, anyone who's interested can find out more on, on those platforms. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you know any women out there who would like to share their story, please do get in touch by visiting our website on inspiringafricantravel.com and submitting your details in the Contact Us section. In the meantime, please keep in touch. You can find Inspiring African Travel on all social media platforms. And don't forget to subscribe and share.